konnichiwa and welcome back to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. I'm Doug the Translator and this week we're going to be talking all things World Cup. Uh, we got the World Cup starting this week. We got Japan's chances, everything involved. So uh, let's make another good one. Ikimashu! Welcome back to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. Um, obviously Ben hasn't butted in yet so... That tells you that he's uh, not on this episode. Like we said last week, he's back in New Zealand for personal reasons. He'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with the Mighty Dinobores. But this week, I am in my little office, in my little apartment, in little old uh, Sagamihara, wanting to chat to you guys about uh, yeah the World Cup. Japan's in a bit of a World Cup basketball fever at the moment. Um, the basketball team in Japan has then qualified for... Paris Olympics for the first time on their, you know, off their own backs in like 50 years or something. Um, so yeah, everyone's loving basketball at the moment. Hopefully the brave blossoms can, um, use that momentum and get off to a great start against Chile this weekend. And, um, yeah, get all those fans back on the, uh, Japan rugby bandwagon. Um, obviously last time the World Cup was in Japan, everyone loved a bit of rugby. Um, I think, yeah, once they started kind of winning, that's when Everyone got on the back of it, like people who don't like rugby, people who don't like sports in Japan will still, you know, just froth over a Japanese team winning a very patriotic, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was great to see last time everywhere you went, it just said everything World Cup, Japan being great hosts. But, um, the pandemic obviously put a big stop toward that uh, momentum before the pandemic, that first top league season afterwards. Um, it was cut short, but yeah, the crowds were insane. Like even I was at, Div 2 Coke at the time, but we had a game, like a proper official Div 2 game at our training ground, which you know, has no stands basically. Can maybe fit a hundred people in the makeshift stands we've got, but we had about 2,000 people there just lining the banks, um, which I'd, I guess, never seen before. So, um, yeah, it was a shame the pandemic put a stop to it, but hopefully Japan can, um, get everyone on their back again and make it a successful tour to France. Obviously, uh, the last four years in terms of Japanese international rugby hasn't been as uh, good in terms of results for the team. What, they've won four games in the last four years, I think it was. So, um, that's just off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, their lead up to this, uh, World Cup definitely in terms of results hasn't been as good. Um, had a few suspensions as well, a few injuries, a few big names, I guess, or guys who've starred in previous World Cups are missing out as well. Um, so yeah, this will talk uh, all things Japan Rugby World Cup. Firstly, I guess just uh, quickly going through their uh, pool. Um, they obviously are in pool D, joined uh, by England, Argentina, Samoa and Chile. Play Chile first, uh, Japan time, 10pm on the 10th of September, Sunday, so this Sunday. Um, and then next, they play England um, about a week later on the 18th of September. It's a 4am start on that Monday morning for uh, everyone in Japan before they play Samoa 4am again on the 29th of September and then in the group stage with the game uh, against Argentina 10pm on the 8th of October so um, yeah definitely a tough pool I think um, you know one of the teams in their pool they've already played in their lead up Samoa who they uh, lost to 24-22 um, yeah to be fair that game that was the game that uh Ichi got red carded in quite early. Uh, a lot of drop ball from both teams. I think that was a game that was played in Sapporo in the Dome, so pretty humid up there. Um, 
by the looks of things. And um, yeah, they had possession in the 80th minute in the 22 of Samoa. Uh, but Samoa hung on to, um, yeah, get that win 24-22. So um, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into that. Um, obviously Japan with one less for majority of that game. But in saying that, that could be what decides, you know, the World Cup this year. Um, if you go high in a tackle, that's going to be a red card straight away. And then, um, yeah, it could, you know, really influence how well your team goes in um, the tournament. So I'm hoping the officiating the refs aren't going to be the major to- talking point. Um, and hopefully it's just, you know, rugby being the winner on the day. But yeah, uh, before I go, I guess more in detail in those Japan games and what I think my thoughts, um, you know, in terms of the whole Rugby World Cup prediction or reports, there's people much, you know, more qualified than me all over the world talking about, you know, things, all things World Cup. Obviously, every rugby pundit is talking about a World Cup at the moment. So I just keep it nice and short, just a bit about Japan and, um, yeah, about their lead, uh, lead up going into the World Cup and all things. But I guess before I do that, Around the Grounds. So this week for Around the Grounds, obviously we have some international rugby. Uh, we've got some League One practice games or training games or preseason games as well, but I think I'll prioritise the World Cup uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, we've got the first game, the hosts France against New Zealand. Uh, Japan time, 4.15am on Saturday the 9th of September. Um, pretty sure all these games are on J Sports. I had a quick look and pretty sure I said, yeah, they're all playing on J Sports. Um, so yeah, gonna have to have the alarm on for that one. Uh, I guess quick prediction. Um, I think France are looking obviously very strong. They are hosts. It comes with obviously a lot of pressure. We saw the World Cup final NZ against France, um, in 2011 where, yes, you know, France already put it to NZ. Uh, no pressure on them or the pressure on NZ. I don't think it'll be the complete other way around uh, this time around. Obviously, France are playing really good rugby. Um, they have will have that weight on their shoulders, but NZ, you know, they never don't have weight on their shoulders last time. You know, they uh, lost to France uh, in a World Cup was that quarterfinal, I guess. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I remember, I think, what was I, like 12, I don't know, 14, I don't know, you know, remember being a little bit sad watching that um, early in the morning in New Zealand. So, um, obviously, NZ came back the next World Cup with that big win. Um, Julian Savier running over a few uh, other French defenders, Lomu-like. Um, yeah, before NZ went all the way to win uh, in 2015. But uh, coming back to, I guess, this week, I'm picking NZ for a win. Um, last time, I think they lost the last game leading into a World Cup. Pretty sure it was when they lost to Aussie before they won uh, a World Cup. So, um, yeah, ne- not necessarily saying... um. It was a great thing that they got their record loss against South Africa uh, a week or two before the World Cup, but um, hopefully NZ bounce back and get a win. In saying that, I think uh, their group, it's um, pretty... I mean, Italy obviously aren't looking bad, but I think France and NZ are going to be the ones going through in that pool. So um, regardless of who wins this game, it's more about, I guess, who comes through in the other pool South Africa, Ireland, or Scotland. So, yeah, I mean, you could win this pool. Um, still got to beat one of those, you know, top five ranked teams, I guess. Um, I'm pretty sure Scotland are, you know, fifth at the moment. So, um, yeah, who knows 
who you're going to be playing that one. I mean, obviously everyone's probably picking Ireland or Scotland. Oh, sorry, Ireland or South Africa. Um, but anyway, going off on a huge tangent on this very first one, but I'm picking NZ to win in what will be a very tight game. Um, next, uh, same Saturday in Japan, we have Italy against Namibia. Um, that one's at 8 p.m. on the 9th of September. Yeah, I think Italy, too strong there. Next we got Ireland against Romania, uh, 10.30 on that Saturday. And Ireland, uh, yeah, will be too strong in that one. Before we go Sunday, just Sunday, uh, 1 a.m. on the 10th of September, Australia against Georgia. Um, Georgia, I think, you know, not a bad team. I think they can, um, you know, put, uh, those top teams under pressure, but I think Aussie will probably be too strong for them. Uh, before we have England against Argentina. Yeah, big, big game, that one. Sunday, 4 a.m. I'm picking Argentina to win. Argentina been looking good. I think, um, I'm tipping Argentina to top that pool, uh, pool D. And, um, yeah, I mean, England obviously haven't had great form leading into this World Cup. Uh, few suspensions as well. So yeah, going for Argentina there. Then Japan against Chile, uh, 8 p.m. Sunday, the 10th in Japan time. There's a few, uh, public viewings happening. I know there's one in Yokohama that uh, one of our boys from uh, Sagamihara, Dinobors Masa, the vice captain, Surya, um, he's going to be there with, I think, a player from Canon as well is going as well. Um, I think it might be Kaji there. Uh, Senta, from what I saw, is going to be there as well. So um, that one might actually be all booked up from what I saw, but there'll be a few of those around. Obviously, the hub is a good place to go if you need to uh, watch a bit of code as well. Um, and then Rugby News Japan on uh, Facebook also said uh, the Tavern Yokohama will be showing all the games. Um, not all live necessarily, but all either live or recorded. Um, so yeah, a few good options there to watch with a few mates if you don't want to be watching uh, at home. But yeah, I think Japan will be too strong for Chile. And I think it will be good for Japan to have this uh, game first just to kind of you know, get into the World Cup before their big game against uh, England in a week's time. Uh, but then the last few games of this weekend, we've got on Monday morning, just at 12.45 at night, we've got South Africa against Scotland. Uh, big game, I think Scotland, uh, you know, have been playing you know, pretty good rugby. Um, not necessarily too bad, but I think South Africa will be much too strong there. Um, picking them to win before we go Wales against Fiji 4 a.m., Japan time on Monday, the 11th of September. Um, and Fiji have been looking, yeah, good, I think. Um, obviously the Jura being in Super Rugby would have, uh, had a, had a effect, but, um, had a big win against Japan, uh, 35-12, uh, last month in August, the 5th of August. And, um, yeah, I, I can see Fiji, you know, winning that game or winning one of the games at least, um, against Wales or Aussie. And yeah, I think out of Aussie, Wales, Fiji, the one I can see, you know, the most comfortably getting through would be Fiji. Not saying they'd necessarily top the pool, but I feel like they'd definitely be one of the two teams going through. Um, great to see for Fiji and rugby. Great brand of rugby they play as well. So very excited to, um, yeah, see them play. But yeah, that was the, uh, quick overview of the matches, uh, this weekend and what some random translator who, you know, plays a bit of club rugby reckons about what's going to happen. So, um, yeah. Uh, we'll be very interested to hear what you think. Uh, let me know through all the, you know, socials, uh, Instagram, the Japan Rugby Weekly at gmail.com. Um, let me know what your thoughts are on those games over the weekend. 
who you think's going to win. Um, and yeah, what do you think the biggest upset, the biggest team to watch is going to be? But um, yeah, just quickly go in a little bit more detail on um, Japan and their pool. Uh, I've read a fact, um, no winners have ever come from Pool D. So um, yeah, just a slight fact. Uh, obviously, Japan going to break that. Uh, yeah, break that hoodoo with the maiden World Cup win. Uh, that would be if, yeah, I think uh, Japan would do well to get out of the pool this time. Um, you know, top the pool last year. Oh, sorry, last World Cup before coming up against South Africa. Um, but I think they got a bigger task on their hands. Um, yeah, I think that game against England, uh, on Monday the 18th will be, you know, a real big one to watch. If they can win that one, then, yeah, man, uh, you'd be pretty, that would definitely put them on track to get through. Um, but obviously that's depending on what happens. England against Argentina the week before that, uh, on the 10th. If England don't win either of those games, then yeah, man, in big trouble. But, um, they're obviously, you know, a good team as well. Not saying Japan's even going to win, but that will be one that Japan will target. And saying that even if they do manage to win their game, still got big game against Samoa, um, before they go up against Argentina. I saw a few things in Japanese media um to be honest not much media chat about it at the moment um all the sports stuff's on what uh the baseballer or Tani's going to be doing um in terms of where he's going to go what's happening with his injury when he's going to hit his next home run and about the basketball world cup uh where they won i think the record number of games they've ever won at a world cup um so hopefully a bit more media coverage once the world cup actually starts but just looking at, you know, what some of the Japanese pundits think on YouTube. Yeah, I saw someone saying they're going to top the pool, go up against Aussie and uh, beat Eddie Jones as Aussie and um, show Eddie Jones that Japan's a stronger team than in 2015 when uh, Eddie Jones, you know, was the head coach. And I mean, you know, not saying Japan on their day, I think, you know, can beat the teams in the pool. I think the hardest challenge will be the Argentinian game. Um Closely followed by the England game. If Japan will beat England, I'll be, man, I'll be chuffed. I'll be chuffed. That's a lot of this is, you know, my heart hoping for that to happen, but, um, it will be, I think, definitely tougher than it was four years ago where they had the, uh, whole nation behind them against Ireland and Scotland. Uh, but yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, Japan a chance of beating England. Um, I guess that's more for next week after we have a bit more information on the first round of games. Um, and yeah, first things first, gotta do your first job first. Japan's gotta get over, uh, Chile, who, um, saw an article saying, you know, they're not here to, um, you know, look at the sights at France. They're here to, not here to make up the numbers, they're here to, uh, play. And I think, you know, Japan, they can't be looking too far forward. They've gotta look at that game in front of them first. Um, struggled a little bit last World Cup against, was it Russia? Which, yeah, I think, uh, a bit of that had to do with being the pressure of the hosts against a team that are expected to beat. Um, not so many eyes on them, I think, this time around when they go up against Chile. So I think uh, they should get the job done. I mean, obviously they got the job done comfortably in the end against Russia uh, four years ago. But yeah, it's going to be a big, big tournament, I think, for Japan after steadily increasing over the previous two World Cups. Um, haven't had the results necessarily go their way the last four years. Um, and I think in part that's got to do with... Um, the boys just not being exposed week in, week out to that super rugby level like they were uh, in the Sunwolves. Obviously, in that World Cup year, a lot of the players uh, play would have played some Sunwolves games while they went to the Wolfpack, who kind of toured NZ, did camps, 
played against kind of like B team, um, Super Rugby teams where they didn't necessarily go that well. But I think the way that um, Jamie Joinder, Brownie were kind of doing it, seems like, you know, they got quite high training weeks or in terms of their load before playing games. So um, I would have, I would assume they do something similar in these lead up games as well. Obviously not showing all their cards like Ben said last week. Um, so the way that they prepare for World Cup games will be much different to how they prepare uh, for their lead up games. Um, hopefully be a bit fresher coming into this World Cup, uh, which is why with a lot of the World Cup lead up games, you can't really take too much out of it. The way people prepare is obviously so much different to how they're actually going to play in the World Cup. Um, I think for Japan to have their successful World Cup to get out of the group stages, I think that game management obviously is going to be key. The Ford are battle against, uh, not only England, but Argentina going to be very important. Their kicking game is going to be, uh, yeah, vital, especially their kicks at goal like that. Just scoreboard pressure being able to keep it ticking was something that they think they did really well against South Africa in 2015, against Ireland in 2019, you know, just keeping the scoreboard ticking is going to be vital. Um, that's something that they struggled against in, against Italy. Um, with Lee Sung-Shing and uh, Rikia Matsuda. Uh, obviously, they also have Ogura Junpei in the squad as well, who um, you know isn't a bad kicker either, but I think, yeah, their kicking game, their uh, you know, kicks a goal, going to be vital, how they control that uh, field position. Then against teams like you know, Samoa, um, obviously, I think their field position is going to be immense. Uh, and then just what they do off their defense, stopping those big boys that are Samoa, who we know can play, we, they showed that against... Obviously a rotated Ireland team, but an Ireland team are nonetheless. So, um, yeah, definitely a tough pool for Japan to be in. Not too many people apart from people in Japan, um, fancying Japan's chances, but, you know, I think in a World Cup away from home, that's not a bad place for Japan to be in, in terms of being the slight, uh, underdogs there. Um, but yeah, like I said, their game engine, they've got, you know, outside backs who can create something. Matsushima at the back who can as well. They've got good nines who can control that pace. I think it's just going to be uh, discipline, obviously, keeping all 15 on the field. Um, having that physicality, though, against those big forwards and pretty much all the teams they're going to be facing, but England, Argentina, Samoa. Um, and then just having that composure to be able to lead the boys around the park at 10 and um, kick the goals when they need to, to, um, yeah, get the points they need to get out of the pool for the second uh, tournament in a row after never doing it. So, um, yeah, very excited, very excited. Bring on Rugby World Cup. Bring on some World Cup footy. How good. But yeah, sorry, I've been rambling on for ages. Um, whenever it's just me, I like to keep these nice and short and sharp. But before I go, I just wanted to quickly go through a few, I guess, players to watch um, in the World Cup squad, which uh, I guess will be Rugby News of the Week. Uh so yeah, my biggest ones to watch uh, to see how we go in the World Cup. I think big one will be Warner Derns and see how he comes back, or when he comes back, if he comes back. Um, obviously over two metres tall, uh, only seven caps so far, um, born in NZ, but went to high school in Japan and was in Japan uh, when he was younger, when his uh, you know, father worked in rugby in Japan. So um, yeah, how he comes back, but also uh, Fakatava as well, who... Um, was, you know, one of the best players, I think, in that uh, Pacific Nation series that we saw from Japan. Um, normally plays back row uh, for Rico, but um, has been playing quite a lot of uh, lock or, you know, pretty much only lock for Japan. We'll see how he goes. 
against those world uh, class locks that he's going to be facing in this pool. Um, also another one is Osada, who was uh, a young center slash wing who came through uh, the Saitama Wild Knights system last year. Um, he was named Rookie of the Year as well. Um, scored cheeky nine tries in 14 games. And um, yeah, he was looking pretty good in those losing games. Um, got a bit of pace as well. Um, he'll be going in with center pairings of either him and you know Dylan Riley, his uh, comrade at the Wild Knights, or Yoto Nakamura, who um, you know was one of the uh, top guys in that uh, Japan team who normally paired with either uh Tim Lafayette or sometimes I think uh Will Tupo. But I think Will played mostly uh fullback in that tournament. Um we also have guys like Lemeki who hasn't played for Japan in a long time. Since that World Cup I think, but he plays uh rafter positions. Um yeah, been almost a one man show for that NEC team. Uh whenever something, you know, goes well for them, a lot of times he's at the centre of that. Um so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um and if he features in this uh World Cup, obviously his versatility will be massive. And um, you got Michael Leach, who didn't play a lot of those uh last games through suspension. Will be interesting to see how he goes. Um Lapis Laviskakni uh, obviously can't play against Chile uh because of that red card against Fiji. But he did uh captain the team in twenty nineteen as well. So yeah, a lot of guys to look at to keep an eye on in the World Cup squad. Obviously, the back row of Ben Gunter, uh, Himeno. You got Fukui Shota, um, went straight out of high school at Higashi Fukuoka into the Wild Knights, uh, with, like I said, Michael Leach, Lapis, I said, uh, before, and then Jack Cornelson, who can play at lock as well. Um, all of this info, if you want to see an insight of all the 33 players, uh, Kyoto News or Rugby News Japan on Facebook uh, put up a great uh, player profile. So, yeah, look up there. That's uh, where I saw a lot of things that I didn't know either. You know, a lot of little bit of uh, background info on all the players as well. So if you want to see a great insight, make sure you go onto Facebook and go on there as well. Um, yeah, best in the business in terms of getting constant English rugby news out. But yeah, uh, before I go, I just wanted to do... You know, a message from the coach's box. Got an email through uh, over the weekend. The last few emails or uh, Instagram posts, I've, yeah, I've been answering them directly on there, on the mail, instead of doing it through the uh, podcast. Sorry, yeah. Um, I'll do them all through the podcast in future. Um, just so, just in case anyone has, you know, the same queries or the same questions. And this one comes from Darren, long time listener. Thank you, Darren, for uh, all the support. And uh, he says, you talked about the Dynafest on the last pod and was hoping you could let your listeners know of any similar fan engagement opportunities other that other teams are putting on, in particular uh, Santori Sangalai and the Toshiba Brave Lupus, as I live in Fuchu. I hope you guys are planning on some Japan team Rugby World Cup pods. Uh, cheers, Darren. Um, yeah, we I've actually got some things in the work in terms of Japan Rugby World Cup stuff. I'm um, not just Japan, but the whole World Cup stuff. I'm hoping to get a few guests on. I'm just working at that, uh, in the background. Obviously, this one here was just me as I wanted to talk a bit about Japan rugby, um, a bit more in detail, but hoping to get a few guests on and, um, yeah, really excited about what's in the future. So look forward to that. In terms of the actual fan engagement opportunities, I was looking through things, um, at Santori and Toshiba. Toshiba did have a thing last month. There was like a, rugby um clinic where they did you know a lot of coaching things but that's obviously mainly for 
kids for the younger demographic. Didn't see too much in terms of what Santori were doing. Um, I'll keep you updated if anything does pop up in terms of what other teams are doing. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I saw teams like NEC did something uh, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a few months ago now, but, um, I think, yeah, a lot of those teams that have come through the ranks and have, uh, come from maybe the lower parts of Div 1 or Div 2 even, um, team to have that really good, you know, fan engagement. Uh, and they've built that base while they're trying to build their rugby team as well. When you're one of the, you know, so-called top teams, um, you kind of get that fan base just by having, you know, the top guys from uni go straight there or, um, you know, half the Japan team in your, in your squad. So, uh, like if you look at the socials of, you know, teams like Panna, um, they, you know, put maybe the least work in just from the outside looking in. I'd say, um, you know, they obviously do do interviews with, I've seen interviews every week with, you know, Robbie Dean's post-match and stuff, but a lot of times they just, uh, have their high pro, high profile players and that's enough to get, you know, bums on seats, them getting to finals every year. And, you know, um, obviously got pipped by Kuota last year, but, um, their track record kind of just means that they don't have to do as much of that stuff. They get that fan engagement just off their, uh, results. So, um, yeah, there's definitely different levels of that fan engagement off field. Not saying that those top teams don't do it. They definitely do. But, um, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily see ex- all the teams doing the exact same stuff. So, um, make sure you follow all the socials of the teams that you're, especially the teams, uh, that you're close to if you're interested in do things with them. Um, and if I see anything, hear anything from, you know, any of my uh, mates around the teams, I'll uh, make sure I share it as well. But uh, thanks for the email. Make sure you email in at japanrugbyweekly at gmail.com or uh, japanrugbyweekly on Instagram. Any questions, any comments, uh, let me know who you think is going to win the World Cup, how you think Japan's going to go, um, if you think the refs are going to have a big say in how it goes as well. Um, any other news, anything you want me to ask, anything you want me to comment about. And I want to start uh, doing... Because I've got this, you know, phone feature. We showed it last week as well. Um, hopefully get a bit of community chat as well. So, you know, get a bit of chat from people around the community, not just, you know, the rugby players and those top teams, but people who have, you know, lived in Japan for years who follow the game. Um, and just want to hear, I guess, your thoughts on how you think Japan's going, how you think the rugby in Japan's going in general, how you think League One's going compared to top league and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I think rugby world cup. Definitely the winner on the day. Um, it'll be a game of who can play that top quality, uh, rugby consistently for the longest. And, um, yeah, full credit to all the boys, uh, at the World Cup who have to make sure they control themselves and don't eat, um, you know, all the croissants and, um, French bread, red wine and, uh, you know, focus on rugby, I guess, until the end of the World Cup. So, you know, tougher said than done for sure. Um, but yeah, thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week with hopefully a special guest. And um, yeah, thanks again and arigats. Thanks for listening to another episode of the JRW podcast. Make sure to rate and share the pod if you enjoy it. And don't forget to use code JRW15 at the ANR Pro checkout for a 15% discount. Arigats, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>